Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Westendorf with Pastor Pete Panitsky, and welcome to this episode of Great Questions, Great Conversations. And uh, I want to first off say, hello, Pastor Pete. How are you doing? Hello, Mike. Doing great. I don't I'm know if you're a good time doing these. Yeah, it, this has been fun. I, and I don't know if you had heard um, Adam Shebline had shared with us that we've actually had a few of these listened to out of country in India and I think in Europe. So um, it's amazing how things can travel around the world and how God can use things like this. So that's exciting. Thanks for your work on, on, on preparing for all of this. Um, as we get rolling here today, uh, again, just want to welcome all of our listeners. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, we are going to be diving into a couple of really uh, fun words that have a lot of theological confusion to them. We're going to be talking about two topics today. Uh, one, the idea of predestination, uh, because especially if you're in spiritual circles, religious circles, this comes up in some different forms in Christian denominations. And then around the idea of communion um, and the idea of transubstantiation. So some pretty big words. Uh, we're going to see, uh, see. okay, Pastor Pete, you ready for these Ooh, big words right. coming up? Yeah. So let's start with the first one, the, uh, um, the idea of predestination. This was one of the questions that came in uh, asking if we would deliver this. Um, uh, we both have the sheets in front of us, mm -hmm. but the one that I'm just reading for... Um, for our listeners' sake, is this one. Maybe we can start here. If we are predestined to have faith in God, to believe, to have our hearts open to God, then why doesn't God just choose everyone to believe? To many non-believers, predestination makes God evil or not entirely good in their eyes. And so it begs the question, we probably have a definition problem here, um, and then uh, a perception of how do you apply this? So could you get us started on this? Sounds good. Um, I, I guess I would start with an understanding of God's purpose in revealing predestination. Predestination, I, I think this is another place where we have to humbly admit, okay, God, you're smarter than me. Mm -hmm. uh, and we attempt to use predestination to answer the question, why are some saved and others not? Right. But God's purpose in predestination is really twofold. One is that we have this confidence that our salvation is certain. So it's, it's addressed to believers. The whole idea of predestination is addressed to believers. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul just reminds us that uh, uh, we have been chosen in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, through whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So that again is Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one. Okay. Beginning verses three through six. And in that section, the apostle Paul is just saying, God's grace is amazing. And our salvation is certain because it doesn't depend on us. 
Uh, I just am having a text conversation with a, a brother in Christ who is struggling right now. And, uh, you know, does God, you know, everything that's happening to him says God doesn't love me. Right. And, and for me to be able to assure him before the creation of the world, God loved you in Christ. God chose you to be his own. And, and, and your salvation doesn't depend on how well you've done. It just depends on God's amazing grace. So that's one purpose of God's doctrine of, of predestination is to celebrate God's grace and reassure us that we're loved. And, and if I can, just just to capture it, you, you'd mentioned it. This is this is this is explained to believers. I wouldn't say explained. It's spoken to believers. Spoken, okay, so yeah, right, because we yeah, it's hard to get our head. Yeah, we can't so, explain it. Yeah, but he's not going out just you know speaking to all y'all, those who believe and those who don't believe, because uh, again, it's probably uh, I mean. Without right. faith, it's impossible to please God or even connect with Him. So, right. so, so, if, so He's speaking to believers. If there's a question in your heart and mind, am I a believer? Don't right. look at the doctrine of, of, of election or the doctrine of predestination. Then you look at, simply look at the cross. Jesus is the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. All right, I'm part of the world. You know, right. I'm counseling people. I'll tell people, pinch yourself. Do you still feel that? Well, then right. you're part of the world. And Jesus died on the cross for you, whether you believe it or not. Right. And that that blanket promise that he died for all is what creates faith. So if you, I don't know if I believe or not. Well, then doctrine of election probably won't comfort you. You need to focus on uh, what's called the universal atonement. That's <laughs> yeah. He paid for the sins of everybody. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're a believer, then you go, "Oh, wow! God's grace is amazing, and my salvation is certain because uh, I don't get the credit." Um, again, I'm just correct me and, and re-steer me. But as you as you mentioned that. It, for for all of us who struggle with, yeah, where is my faith? Um, the cross is so critical to remember that it, it is for me, uh, regardless of wherever you're on your journey. Some of the people may be listening in and not on this particular faith journey, but on another one. But if you're still alive, God is still calling. Look at the cross. Would you say that then predestination uh, um, is, you know, if it's not a comfort for when we're struggling to believe, is it the kind of thing that helps us give us courage as we serve in the world? Exactly. So, oh, okay, courage, courage to 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 have this confidence that I'm, uh, you know, I'm God's. He chose, you know, I'm so precious that He chose me for before the creation of the world. And it's in Romans chapter 8 that you see the other major purpose of the doctrine of election. So, so often Christians recite a portion of Romans 8.28, that right. all things work together for good to those who love God. The passage goes on and explains that that's connected to the doctrine of election or predestination. To those who have been called according to his purpose 
I like the word plan better. Mm. So God works everything out for good to those who love, uh, God makes all things work together for good to those who love him, who have been called to faith according to God's plan. And then he explains God's plan, uh, that God foreknew you. He knew you before the creation of the world. He knew you personally. He chose you. He didn't just know you, but he chose you. And 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 the picture that comes to my mind is uh, well, the Charles Barkley commercial where they're they're picking basketball. Uh, um, there's you know basketball team, and there's oh, this yeah, one yeah. kid and Charles <laughs> Barkley. You know, and oh, they they chose me. You know. God chose me, and I'm not a Charles Barkley type guy. Right. He chose me before the creation of the world. Those he predestined, he also called. Why is it that I that I have heard the gospel? Because God had it planned, planned out. This is all part of God's plan. Those he uh, called, he also justified. He's brought me to faith in, in the promise of God's forgiveness. And those he's justified, he also glorified. He'll bring me to glory. He's got me on the track. And that's why I can be sure that no matter what's happening to me, everything is working out for my good because God has this plan. How do I know that I'm part of God's plan? Because Jesus died for all. Good. So the the two the two pieces and, and doctrine of election and predestination, that's the same thing. I just want right. to yep. make sure that we're mm-hmm. verbs are yeah, they're all they all they all mean the same thing. Um, so that first one is a confidence thing. The Romans eight. I've always seen that one as a comfort, you know, passage. And so that's interesting. That again, that that that's a place that we tend to go when life is unraveling. Right. Um, trusting that, and, and even if it's if it's something which is amazing, like the it would appear that the plan is unraveling because of me, <laughs> because I did stuff. That somehow God is still weaving my my sinful actions and those consequences into a plan that is still about His kingdom and about my salvation. Yeah, um, it, it, it fits in with what uh, our message series right now is, uh, dear younger me, dealing with regret. Right, and and just that whole idea that He makes all things work together, even the dumb and sinful decisions we have made in the past. God, God factored all that into his plan. And, and, and so it's the pressure is off. Okay, Lord, you've got this plan. The plan doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I mean, the chapter ends with nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even death. So right. it, Paul isn't saying it's going to be easy. He's just saying, God's got this plan to get us to glory in heaven and nothing is going to deal, derail us. That's the comfort of the doctrine of election. Trust God's power to be faithful to his promise. Good. And again, these, these are words that are spoken to believers. Right. I, I appreciate the question because now you have to dig into the hard part because we get, we get taken to the carpet on this. Right. If, if that's true, then it would seem as though when you look at the world around you, God has predestined then. If, I mean, wouldn't he predestine everybody? He wants everybody to be saved, but now it seems as though, well, they're not part of that plan. How do we make sense of that? Yeah, and, and I'm smiling because this is one of those things that that you know we've talked about denominations, and 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 uh, this is one of the things that divides 
of three distinct uh, church directions or denominational directions. In, in, in Christian churches. In Christian. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, that uh, the, 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 you know, the Lutheran approach is, this is just another one of those places where you just have to say, the things revealed belong to, to us, but the secret things, the hidden things belong to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29, right? That God doesn't always function according. In fact, most of the time we'll see ultimately God doesn't function the way we would logically think he should. Correct. And the example I always like to use is the Trinity. Now, most of us have grown up with the Trinity. We really don't think about it, that right. God is three persons in one. And yet that's absolutely contrary to reason. Right. But we're, we're used to it. And, and so we, we accept that. Doctrine of election, the same thing. God hasn't revealed the doctrine of election to explain himself to us. That's what we want. We want to be God. Can you, ex you can know? you say that that was like, we talk about tweets all the time. Like yeah. that was it. What, what God has, God not has not given us the doctrine of election to explain himself to us. You, you see, Eve wanted to be God, right? We're the same thing. We want to, we want to understand everything that God does. And, 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 you know, we want to have the knowledge that God has. And it's like, no, that's why he's God. And that's why we're his creation. So there have been efforts to make the doctrine of election reasonable. So Martin Luther, back in the 1500s, said, you know, what I've just described. John Kelvin in uh, uh, Switzerland, reformer basically the same time as Luther, his solution was, well, then there must be double predestination. There must be some people that God has chosen to be saved. Yeah. And there must be some people that God has not chosen to be saved. And that makes great logical sense. But there's nothing in the Bible that teaches that God has predestined people to hell. In fact, in Romans chapter 9, it's just very interesting. So right after Paul talks about the doctrine of election in Romans chapter 8 and the comfort that it can give us, in Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul deals with the whole issue of, hey, what about the Israelites? Most of them don't believe, as Paul is writing this, <laughs> right. right? What about the Israelites? Weren't they chosen? And and Paul's basically, Paul's argument is not everybody who is physically descended from Israel is the true Israelite. The true Israelite is somebody who believes in Jesus, right? The, the mm -hmm. promised Messiah. And in uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 22, Paul writes, What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Even us, whom he also called, not only among the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. So, mm. those of you who are listening, you, you've got to open up Romans chapter 9, 22 to 24, and, and look at this, because it, it 
you'll hear it and it'll you, you won't connect. But in verse 22, it says those people who uh, are in rebellion against God, they're prepared for destruction. It doesn't say they were prepared in advance. Oh. But in verse 24, those are verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 23, those uh, whom he has chosen, it says, whom he prepared in advance for glory. So what the Bible teaches is if I believe, God gets all the credit. If I don't believe, I get all the blame because I have prepared myself for judgment. And again, that's not logical. You know, over and over again, we're going to come to the point where the biblical doctrine is not logical. Then you Human go back logical. To the empty tomb and go, okay, I believe this because Jesus rose from the grave. Even Which is not logical. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, nowhere does the Bible say that God has chosen people to be condemned. In fact, the Bible makes clear that God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That the end of the world in Roman or in Second Peter three hasn't come because God is patient, wanting everyone to repentance and come to the knowledge of the truth. Right? right. God wants people to be saved. Now, we want to be God and say, but you got to explain that to us, God. It doesn't make sense. And God's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. So that's the Calvinist view for double predestination. There aren't too can, many true can, Calvinists uh, out there anymore today. Can I just, because uh, somebody yeah. might ask about this one too. It seems that Judas, well, you know, what, how do you explain Judas? Because there was that, that one, except for the one doomed to die. Yeah. Um. So, Can you speak into that one real so, quick? So, so there's a difference between God foreknowing things and God causing things to happen. God knows the sins you're going to commit. Mm -hmm. God doesn't make you commit those sins. Right. God knew the sin that Judas would do, just like he knew the sin that Peter would do, right? Right. Uh, he, and he didn't make either one of them commit those sins, but he did foretell both of them. That's good. That's helpful. Third and, and yet, you know, and that, yeah, and yet, so then it's still this logical inconsistency. Well, why didn't he stop it? Yeah, right. That's where you just have to humbly say, uh, I'm just going to trust the God who died for me and rose again. Right. So talked about Calvinism. Can I talk about another branch of Christianity? Yeah. I, yeah and, and this is, it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where we have a little bit of time to do this. You can't do this on a Sunday morning yeah, when these, yeah. these, we, we have to fly by these so fast. And yet, you know, people are like, but wait, I, how yeah. did we get here? So yeah, go, what's so, number three. Okay. So th there were people who were followers of Calvin back in the 1600s who said, I don't like this idea of the doctrine of double predestination. And Jacob Arminius is the key person in the, 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 the faith doctrines that come out of Jacob Arminius' teachings is called Arminianism. And most churches today that are not Lutheran or Catholic are Arminian. Most 
you know, like a, a Baptist or a non-denominational tend to be more Arminian. Arminius's solution was, okay, I can't believe that God chose somebody to be damned. Therefore, it must be all our fault that we don't believe. But then it must be some of our, to our credit, that we do believe. And this is where the doc or the whole idea of making a decision for Christ has come in. Mm-hmm. That that you know God gets ninety nine percent of the credit, but I made a decision for Christ. Right. Whereas Lutherans, we would say God made a decision for me. He brought me to faith in Christ, and now that I'm a believer, I daily and constantly have to make decisions for Christ. That's living yeah. out my Christian life. But I didn't become a believer because I chose to become a believer. God had to work that miracle in me because I was dead in my transgressions and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, right? Right. Yeah, so so our Armenian solution was God gets 99% of the credit. I get a little bit of percent of the credit. I have something I have to do. Yeah, right. And Okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's fascinating. Um, I appreciate the uh, the comfort piece of things. Again, just helpful to remember that God is speaking to believers. I, and again, the distinction there—he's not explaining, but he's speaking to believers. Right. For our our courage and confidence, um, as we go through both living for Him and sharing this message and sharing the gospel and being the hands and feet of Jesus. And sometimes that being very, very hard and challenging and and stuff, but then also the comfort that we have um, in Romans 8. Yeah, you, you know, one of the places that we, we don't often think about the doctrine of predestination being present is when Jesus is talking with his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration on Tuesday evening of Holy Week. And Jesus had foretold, you know, the, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and the end of the world. And... Uh, the disciples ask for more information about that, and he has this extended conversation in Matthew 24 and 25. And several times in that chapter, Jesus talks about the elect. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that the, the tribulations, the troubles of the last world, the last days will be shortened for the sake of the elect. The elect, yeah. Or... Um, False teaching and false doctrine will become so uh, common and so powerful that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Oh, if it were possible. In other words, it's not possible for the elect to be deceived. Uh, And then when Jesus sends his angels, guess what it says? They gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. So again, it, it is, election is all, or predestination is all about, I want to comfort you, dear brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus claims us as his brothers and sisters. And he just, I just want you to know and, and rest assured that when tough times are coming, that you are precious and you are chosen. This has been uh, uh, very helpful. And we've been talking at it for a little while. We were thinking that we're going to jump into transubstantiation. Is, is that something that we want to tackle on this podcast or should we well uh, maybe we should hold off on that and talk just a little bit about free will that i that was gonna go there because you as soon as you mentioned choice i think that this has been one you know again i grew up lutheran all my life and 
but I have friends who are 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 Baptist and and come out of the Arminianism tradition, and I've obviously I, I see a lot of Christian concerts, and so you hear some of those mm-hmm. things. And you know, growing up, I just the idea of choice was bad. Like we don't have free will. Um, Adam and Eve were the only ones who had true mm-hmm. free will, and that's that's just maybe I wasn't taught that, but somehow that's how I internalized it. That's how I took it in. And that's how I started to live that out. And then as I got older, you start realizing that, well, in, in, in the book of Joshua, he says, choose for yourself this day. God himself says, so choose. What are you going to do? You know, you know me, you've been with me, choose. And yet this whole idea of free will and choice and how does a Lutheran make sense of that? Okay. So first of all, I just we, we better go back and just re- remember that even though I am saying I disagree with these doctrines that some of these churches are teaching, mm-hmm. as long as Jesus Christ and him crucified is proclaimed, there are right. believers there. And I thank God for the faith that is present in the hearts of people that are in churches that I disagree with. Right. right. Okay. If, as long as somebody believes in Jesus, God be praised. It's right. just this whole idea that you're missing some of the comfort of God's word if you don't understand the biblical doctrine of election. And I want people to understand that comfort. So I'm not, I'm not slamming Arminianism or Calvinism. I'm just saying I disagree. And I think you're, 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 you're not letting God's people see the full comfort that our savior wants them to have. I think that I'm glad that you went there and said that um, we had our, our other podcast on on denominations which if you haven't heard that i encourage you to to have a listen to it um but we had talked about there was never this euphoric time in which the church completely agreed on everything um there's a a brief moment in acts early on where they all seem to be getting along but then i loved your point last time i've shared this with a few other people that that, uh all of paul's letters are writing to the dysfunction in the church you know trying to help and the church has been like that ever since as we wrestle with and the question i think is are we willing to continue to wrestle with these things? It's a comfort to me, and it's part of the reason why I choose <laughs> uh, to be and have been led to be uh, in this church body is our our desire to wrestle with and live in the tension of that narrow Lutheran middle, that that gospel and law. Satan does not care which side of the mountain you fall off on. You can fall off on the gospel side, and you can fall off on the law side. He'll distort both of them. But are we willing to live within the tension of that and continue to wrestle with what is it that God is saying here? Um, that to me has been very helpful and why I appreciate being in this church and it's in this church body. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well said. Well said. So the first thing to understand is you summarize the doctrine, Lutheran understanding of free will very well. So, there are four stages of our abilities. Adam and Eve truly had free will. They could choose good or evil because they were perfect. Once Adam and Eve fell into sin, they were completely con- you know, under the control of the sinful nature. Um, you know, and, and again, the Apostle Paul says that, you know, uh, that we were born and are tre- dead in our trespasses and sins that were hostile to God by nature. And you see mm-hmm. that hostility yeah. in the garden of Eden. You know, the woman you put here with me, uh, God is your fault, you know, and, and we can't trust you. So we got to go hide, which is going to be my sermon text this coming Sunday. 
right. But as soon as God brought them to faith, God created something new. And it's just interesting in Psalm 51, Psalm 5110, which is one of these penitential psalms, King David writes. Psalm 5110 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And that word create is the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 1. And for those of you who love Hebrew, it's bara. And I'm I'm laughing because it's okay, this geeky guy here. But bara, We get this all the time, y'all, so. Yeah, yeah. But bara only has God as the subject. So only God can create in the way that the Hebrews thought of it. Of it. So God cre- has to create something in me. So when he co- brings me to faith, he creates in me this new spirit who wants to do God's will. So there's a part of me that does reclaim that free will. So in Joshua chapter 24, where Joshua says, choose for yourself which way you're going to go. He's talking to believers and he's saying, every day you have to make a choice. Are you going to follow Jesus or you're not? And I can't decide to believe. I don't have the free will to decide to believe. But once he has created faith in me, he has created this new self in me, then I have the power, the responsibility, but then also the promise of God's power working in me to daily make those choices. So for those of you listening to the podcast right now, if, if you're not a believer, you can say, well, I, I chose to do this. God be praised. Uh, you, you know, that's great. That's not really free will. Right. You know, free will is not talking about what color socks you wear or what do you listen to or what do you watch on TV? It's can I decide to believe? But if you believe in Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit has created something special within you. Mm-hmm. And then you make this daily choice. I have to keep growing in my faith. I have to live for Christ. This and is then the huge... last one. Is the, yep. the last one is someday we'll get to heaven, <laughs> and then we'll be then we'll be better than where Adam and Eve was because once we're in heaven, we can't sin anymore. We will truly be free. I'll never have to deal with this sinful nature. So you know, the Apostle Paul in Romans seven says, "The good that I want to do, I do not do, and the evil that I do not want to do, that I do." You know, that's the struggle that we have right now. There's this marvelous new being that God's created in us, but we still have the sinful nature. Yeah, in heaven, right? I I, I like to say that the, the picture of heaven for me is that I will be able to look at my Savior and love Him from an undivided heart. Um. I, I I won't have the, well, I really want my kingdom built, Jesus, in your name, by the way, you know, because it's all about you, right, Lord? But could you, you know, oh yeah. my goodness, to 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 give up that part of it. I, I want to come back to something because I, boy, I, there's a part of me would like to talk about this, you know, in the future too. And it's, it's, I have long struggled with, all right, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Sometimes a temptation you can you can um, you can stand for a day. Things are going good. You're supported. You're you're in God's word, whatever. But then you're like, but I'm going to sin tomorrow. And the power of the temptation that says I don't have a choice in this. I'm just I I am kind of just a sinner. This is 
inevitably what I do. It's amazing to me that this idea that I have, I have a choice in the moment of temptation for many years, I did not feel like I really had a choice in that in part because of what we're talking about. Like you don't have, you can't choose. And yet Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the Bible and it's like after salvation, there's these, you make choices all the time. And so as we're wrestling with how do we disciple people, I'm wondering how big of an impact this is if we were to communicate and help people understand that through the Holy Spirit, you have the power. You said it, the power. As soon as you said, I went, oh, let's go there. You have the power to choose how you will respond to temptation. I don't feel like that all the time. Help me understand that. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago in my sermon, uh, I talked about the the four quadrants of uh, this is what pastors uh, oh, yeah. could do as they're working on a sermon. Uh, and I would encourage you to use it for Bible study. So the four quadrants are, you know, as you read a Bible passage, is it if it's law, is it justification law? Is it meant to show me my sin? Uh, or is it justification gospel? Is it meant to reassure me that I'm forgiven? And th- that's what we normally, as Lutherans, we just focus on this side of the quadrant. And law, justification, gospel. real quick, justification declared not guilty. Thank you. Yes. Yep. So I'm, ne- yeah, for- forgiveness is just another way to talk about justification. I'm declared, God declares me not guilty, like a judge. Right. So as Lutherans, we tend to look at justification law, justification gospel. But on the other side of the quadrant is sanctification law. Sanctification is living the Christian life. You know, so God has given me these commandments to, you know, to teach me how to live. Right. Like, like the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of that chapter, God says, I'm the Lord, your God, who saved you out of Egypt. You are mine. Gospel. And then he gives the Ten Commandments as now, how do you as my people live? Not how do you become my people, but because you are my people, how do you live? So sanctification, law, instructions, God's guidebook. But what we normally forget is the fourth quadrant, which is sanctification gospel. Uh, one of my favorites is Ephesians chapter 3. So in Ephesians chapter 3, the last half, yeah. Paul has this marvelous prayer, you know, that he's just praying that the Ephesians have the power to know the height and depth of yeah. God's love, you know. And then there's this little song of praise at the end, the doxology. Yeah. To him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more. more then all we ask or imagine according to his power mm-hmm. that is at work within us. The power of the God who raised Jesus from the dead is working in you and me. I have incredible power in Christ to daily make good decisions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those Good decisions are not very dramatic. Yeah, right. Uh, like, okay, if I'm in a bad place, maybe the good decision is I just got to go talk to somebody. Uh, I'm still going to be thinking bad, bad thoughts, but I'm going to go talk to another Christian to help mm-hmm. 
get out of this funk and this bad place. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still battling with depression, but, but my decision is I'm going to choose to deal with that pain in a way that's not self-destructive. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when you make those kind of decisions and you're in that moment, you don't think anything of it. It's like, you know, no, that's the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Yeah. He, he maybe hasn't removed the depression or removed the addiction or whatever, but he's working powerfully in you. And then when you, you see, but I'm falling into it over and over and over again, that's when you go back to the justification law gospel side and you just go, but I live in forgiveness. Yeah. I live in forgiveness. That's beautiful. Um, we could talk more about this, but we're going to, we're going to call it off here. Um, we have other ministry things that we need to do today, but this has been a great conversation. And I, I do pray that it's helpful for those who are listening. Um, if you have questions, if there is something that um, we, we like to say, if there was a tweetable moment, if there's something like, ah, oh, aha, eyes opened, uh, put it down in the comment section of, uh, of YouTube if you're watching it there or let us know. And if there's other questions that come up, um, we are... We're kind of taking these uh, day by day, and and we get enough questions from people. We kind of group them into an episode, and then we'll we'll talk about some of these things. But we are grateful for you all listening, uh, Pastor Pete. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your uh, biblical and help in this. If they if people have questions, there's nothing better than you know walking through God's word, and and honestly, that's how I keep my faith fresh too. Is is when people ask questions, so questions are great yeah so we'll have a we'll have another episode coming up here next week but until then uh this is pastor pete uh i'm mike westendorf this is great questions great conversations we will see you next time